Hi, I'm Stubaka, and I'm a Gen X grown-up, and I support Gen X grown-up on Patreon, and you should too at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. Welcome back, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener, to the back issue edition of our podcast. This is where we take a single character story arc or book and dig in deep. With me, as always, today is Jason. Hey, guys. And we also have our special guest panelist returning from last week, Chris Fernandez from Mad Cave Studios. Chris, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Absolutely wonderful. And we are ready today to get wet. Today, we are oh going boy. to talk all about <laughs> our favorite character. He's number one at the box office as we record this episode, Aquaman. Jason, this was a topic that you wanted to bring up. So tell us a little bit about the Aquaman film and why we decided to do this podcast. I think it's because we want to stay current and Aquaman is front and center right now with mainstream and audiences and everybody. And he's popular once again. You know, he used to be considered kind of a joke back in the day. Sure, Yeah, he was kind of like one of the little ancillary Justice League characters that everybody went, really? He talks to fish? That's his whole thing? Okay. Right. But I did some research because I'm, I'm a fairly recent convert to uh, how awesome Aquaman is. Uh, I did see the film, and it's a lot of fun. It's loaded with action, and they cram every type of Aquaman trope, costume, character, setting they can into a two-hour film. Uh, So it's a lot of fun. Have you guys seen it yet? No, I'm planning on going to see it. Chris, what about you? I haven't had a chance to, but I have a feeling this weekend coming up is the time. There you go. Well, with that, let's jump right into the episode and dive into Aquaman. It was close to midnight. Lois and I had just taken in a movie and were walking home along Park Drive, passing the Metropolis Museum of Art, when the cry for help came. there, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Before we get into Aquaman, guys, we should talk about the people that created him. Aquaman made his first appearance in More Fun Comics number 73 in 1941. 41? Yes. So he's older. World War II era? Nice. Yes. He's older than you, George. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the way to get yourself renewed for season two of Drawn and Paneled right uh, there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he was created by writer Mort Weisinger and artist Paul Norris. I did a little okay. bit of research. I've heard of Mort Weisinger before. Uh, he was big with DC. He okay. created a number of characters. He created Aquaman, Green Arrow. Really? A, f- a few that you may not have heard of, like Johnny Quick um, and okay. the original Vigilante. But he also created Supergirl, Crypto, the Super Dog. He's also wow. responsible for the <laughs> Phantom Zone and the Bottle City of Candor. Wait, the Phantom Zone, like where Superman's enemies were all stuck when they left Krypton, all that that prison Phantom Zone? Yes, that is ah. the one and only Phantom Zone. Yes, he was uh, known mostly in the 50s and 60s as editor of Superman. And so he did a lot of kind of the, some of the stuff we know from Superman he's responsible for. So, wow. Yeah. All right. Pretty big pedigree right there. I mean, yeah, no slouch. Yeah. If you're editing Superman in his heyday and you're creating the Phantom Zone, I really thought that was just Richard Donner from the Superman films. I didn't right. know that was. <laughs> yeah, no, that's been around a, a while. And he also did some work on the Superman TV show with George Reeve. Really? Like yes. the, the black and white Superman TV show? The one? Okay. Yes. Yep. Wow. He did some some work on that, too. So he's Mr. Superman. Chris, have you uh, had any run-ins with Mort Weisinger as far as any of your comic readings? Obviously, we've all read some Superman here and there. Oh, yeah. Apparently, I have without even knowing it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. That's the one great thing about having Jason on staff. He goes out and pulls these obscure people out of nowhere, and then it turns out they've done all this big stuff that I had no clue about. Right. Seriously, I didn't know I was getting a... DC history lesson. <laughs> well, that we aim to to educate everybody on comic books. It should be a course in school. It's not, but you know, <laughs> it probably is somewhere. There's somewhere. probably some university that has a doctorate course in how to become a comic book creator, artist, or right. something or other. Well, who else? You said Paul Norris was the artist behind Aquaman. Tell us a little bit about him. I had never heard of Paul Norris before. He did some work in the Golden Age. Um, you know, he's most notable for co-creating Aquaman. He also went on, though, he served a little bit in World War II and then went on to do some other comic work. He did a lot of work for Gold Key doing oh, Gold um, Key. Yeah, doing yeah. Magnus, Robot Fighter and Tarzan. Uh, but he had his longest stint doing a newspaper strip for 35 years called Brick Bradford, who I've never heard of Brick Bradford, but Mm. I looked him up. He's kind of a Flash Gordon type of character. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So he was more in the comic strip realm and he did comic books on the side, probably to supplement income is what it sounds like. Something like that. Yeah. He passed away in 2007 at the age of 93. 93. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, God bless him for a long life of creativity, because I don't know about Chris, you or Jason, but anybody who can draw or write a comic book and create that out of nowhere, hats off to those people. I give them all the props in the world because- that can't be easy. Seriously. It sounds like uh, creating comics is the key to life, huh? Yeah. Between him and Stan Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, and you think about it, too. When these guys were creating Aquaman, this was before 
all the other mythos have been established. So these were truly unique ideas of the yeah. time. This was just when the spandex era was starting mm-hmm. to move because before spandex superheroes, it was really comic books that my father would read were mostly about Westerns or detective stories or true crime kind of things, that sort of stuff. Comic books weren't the Superman, Batman milieu that they became a little bit later in the, I guess in the forties really. So these guys are creating in a brand new medium, a brand new social construct that hadn't been really explored that deeply at that point. I wouldn't think so. That's a pretty big accomplishment for those guys. Yeah, that, a lot of the, the characters we know came out of this era, but uh, yeah, Aquaman was one of those. Forever hiding my true identity? David Bruce Banner, calling himself David Benson, man on the run, on the road to everywhere, searching, always searching. Sorry to interrupt, Gen Xers, but this show will be done before you know it, and then what are you going to do? You're going to need something to fill your ear holes with, and we're here to be that uh, ear hole filling thing. We're Blockbuster Nostalgia. We're a movie podcast that's counting down the biggest hit films of the 1980s based on how much money they made. Because that'll show those dirty 80s commies. Each week we have a few drinks. Or a lot. And talk about a different classic film. Which inevitably leads us to rant about things like... Where Luke Skywalker kept his sex robots. What if Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon was in fact a Velociraptor? Who would win in a fight between Rocky Balboa or a Gundam? How the Winter Olympics should definitely feature rabid wolves on skis. We even cast Vin Diesel one time as a talking car in a smoking a Bennett style rom-com. And we pitch Paul Bart Part 3, the one where he's a Thundercat. We've been at it for two years now, so we have plenty of vulgar, definitely not for kids, fun for you to enjoy. From Die Hard and Dirty Dancing to Ferris Bueller and Star Wars, we've got your favorite 80s movies covered. Check us out on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nothing signifies a character's changes more so in the comic book world than the different ages that they inhabit. In the comic book industry, we have traditionally talked about Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, Modern Age, all these different genres and groupings of how comic books changed in certain segments of our history. The Golden Age is where everybody starts, so let's jump right in to the Golden Age of Aquaman. Jason, what'd you find out? Aquaman originally in the Golden Age was your typical square-jawed, you know, do-gooder. He had a little bit of a different origin, though. He was raised by his father uh, and experimented on by his father with different, you know, water technologies and stuff like that to become, you know, a keeper of the sea. So he wasn't a merman kind of character? He was a human on the land and then was experimented on? Yeah, his father, uh, you know, did some tests on him to make him, you know, be able to communicate with fish, breathe underwater. His father was obsessed with Atlantis and that kind of thing. But there's no connection. He's not, you know, the king of Atlantis or anything like that. And then during the Golden Age, he spent most of his time fighting Nazis like most of the heroes of Mm. that era did, you know, mostly U-boats and that sort of thing. But yeah, he was a Nazi fighter. (laughs) Chris, was that, I didn't expect that at all. Did you know that he started off as a human that was changed into an Aquaman? I actually did. I'd actually uh, gone over, I mean, probably this was, I don't know, a couple of years ago at this point. Uh, I saw like an Aquaman origin video where they went over three or four different origins. So 
I'll put it this way. That's not my Aquaman. Okay. No, right? <laughs> yeah. My Aquaman always lived in the sea, died by the sea, was of the sea, not of land at all. So right. that's kind of surprising. It's a neat little factoid. What else happened to Aquaman in the Golden Age? He fought Nazis. He was experimented on by apparently a completely crazy mad scientist father. What else can you tell us about the Golden Age version of Aquaman? Well, he had some parameters as far as talking to fish. He had to be a certain you know, distance from them in order to communicate in their language. Later on, it was more of a telepathic link to them. Oh, okay. You know, but, and then a- after World War II, he ended up fighting pirates and that sort of thing. We move from the Golden Age into the Silver Age. First of all, do you know what the years are for Golden Age versus Silver Age? Because I never know when those start and stop. It varies. There's some debate on when it really began or, you know, that was kind of like with generations. X and millennial that, you know, the the years sort of vary upon opinion. Gotcha. Um, So a lot of people, and I kind of fall into this too, a lot of people believe the Silver Age of comics started in 1956 or thereabouts with with showcase number four, which was the introduction of the Barry Allen Flash. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So that, and then you got kind of a sort of a revamped um, of you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the Justice League, you know, Aquaman, that kind of stuff sort of followed. So you did mention that we got a kind of a revamped version of Aquaman in the Silver Age. What happened to Aquaman to change him from Golden Age, mad scientist father Aquaman to the Silver Age? The origin changed to what I think most of us think of as the origin of Aquaman. His mother was Atlantean. His father was a lighthouse keeper. They meet, fall in love, and have baby Aquaman. Um, right, as you know, <laughs> things usually work. So that, and then that's when we got the other Aquaman stuff. You know, his villains like Black Manta, the Ocean Master. We also got you know Mara, his wife, Aqualad. He also had a sidekick octopus. Too. Oh, really? Yes. Like a little pet dog, but an octopus. An octopus, yeah. And other, <laughs> you know, kind of goofy Silver Age stuff, uh, too. But that's, you know, more about Atlantis and bringing in that sort of thing. And he was a protector of the sea. He was one of the founding members of the Justice League. Uh, so that's, you know, the Silver Age is really kind of, I think, where a lot of people, what they know about Aquaman is probably from that origin story. Chris, would that be your Aquaman, as you had talked earlier? That is, in fact, my Aquaman. All right. What, do you, what did you find compelling about that Aquaman versus the Golden Age? Well, I just feel it's more in roots with uh, a playful type of character. I mean, I know he's gone in more serious uh, direction after that, I mean, for years now but uh the way i originally envisioned the character is a little more playful i got you yeah i think Mm -hmm. speaking to the octopus uh and the playfulness i think if i'm not mistaken it was in a i don't know if it was in super friends or in a in the book now but pretty sure he teaches it how to play the drums (laughs) oh no really insight as to how silly (laughs) that's funny well now you mentioned super friends let's talk a little bit about the super friends era because that's really the only aquaman that i can speak to myself i grew up as a child of the saturday morning cartoon era we've done a saturday morning cartoons episode on gen x grown-up podcast and I really fell in love with the Justice League 
from the super friends and you had, you know, you had Superman, you had Batman who really wasn't in a lot of the episodes heavily predominantly. It was mostly really? Superman, Wonder Woman. No, I mean, Batman was there, but mm-hmm. Superman and Wonder Woman were kind of the leaders. You also had the wonder twins were kind of the kooky characters. Oh, of the show. Yeah. Yeah. But Aquaman, he was featured fairly prominently in the super friends TV shows. I really liked, he was always riding around on a seahorse, which was kind of cool, <laughs> which I was like, but he swims faster than anybody. Why does he need a seahorse? But I guess they wanted him to have a cowboy vibe for kids, you know, who like cowboys and Indians at that time. But you mentioned earlier about the differences in his communication formats to fish. Mm-hmm. In Super Friends was where he had that telepathy sort of thing, and it was always little white lines and a right. sound effect, and he would talk to the whales or the fish, and they would help him out. Do you guys remember Super Friends? I know you guys are a little bit younger than me, but surely you've seen some of those episodes. Definitely. I, I mean, that's well, growing up, I was watching reruns on. That's where I probably learned most about my uh, Justice League. Uh, and then over the years and different iterations, but, uh, I think that was like my formative vision of Aquaman and really the Justice League. Yeah. Same here. I don't remember a lot about the show. I remember watching it. I remember Aquaman on there, but I don't remember details. I, those, uh, twins are what stick in mind from the super friends, mostly for me, but I I remember having an Aquaman action figure, um, and thought he was kind of bland <laughs> with his blonde hair and orange and green <laughs> pants and that sort yeah, of and thing. His, his suit on the on the show had like little faux scales around it and yes. everything to try and drive the point home that this guy lives in the water, you know, and all like that. I do remember that of all the characters in the Super Friends, you had like I said, the two leaders of the Super Friends in my mind were always Superman and Wonder Woman. They were always kind of the de facto showrunners. Right. But I found it very interesting that Aquaman was a little bit more of the third guy down the line than Batman was because Batman was super huge. You know, he's a mm-hmm. big DC character, but I guess maybe the creators of the series figured that Aquaman was a little bit more appealing to children and they were definitely able to make him a little bit more fun. Chris, you mentioned that earlier that he was a little bit sillier than some of the other characters. So to a younger audience, maybe that's why he was a little bit more prominently featured in the super friends mm. series than say Makes batman sense. was yeah well that that's pretty cool because i mean he was one of the founding members of the justice league so it makes sense that he would be you know one of the higher ranking members of the super friends around about the mid 1980s there was a major event in the dc universe called crisis on infinite earths i'm sure you guys being comic book fans remember this series we've read the issues at different points in our comic book lives but Mm -hmm. was there a change jason between aquaman silver age super friends era and post crisis on infinite earths was there a different aquaman after that so there was some changes uh with his origin and we'll get into that maybe when we get into some storylines but yes so with the crisis on infinite earths changed a lot of stuff and then you had you know changes in origins like you know batman you had that famous year one storyline uh with wonder woman you had the george perez arc uh and then superman you had the john byrne man of steel that kind of changed little things about the origin aquaman same thing happened to him he uh they tried something with a, a new costume and more mystical that didn't really stick and then they changed his origin once again and from there on he became in the 90s a grittier kind of angry 
edgy mm-hmm. type character. Now, Chris, we were talking a little bit off the air. You mentioned before a little bit about the grittier Aquaman. Is that a character that you did any reading on in the 90s? Was that somebody that you followed? No, actually, not definitely not in the 90s. I don't think I picked up an Aquaman book for years until the New 52 started again or started okay. up. Okay. And I yep. said, you know what, Jeff Johns is writing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hop on. Well, let's talk a little bit about that new Fifty Two Aquaman. So, Johns, you said was writing it. Tell us a little bit about what you found interesting in that new Fifty Two, as opposed to the other Aquamans that you had read before. Well, it, it it's basically that grittiness. Uh, I felt uh, the story was more. I don't want to say relatable because he's a man, he's a prince <laughs> underwater. Um, right. But you know. It was a grittier, more down to earth. I think it clicked more with uh, my age at the time. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, you can understand the playfulness of the characters. Whereas, you know, you know, at, at the time I was, you know, in my early twenties and I wanted something more serious and not as sure. playful. So, you were you were growing up and maturing, and so was Aquaman. Yes, yes, and uh, I really didn't know much about why he had a harpoon hand at the time when all that he was had going. a harpoon hand. Oh, spoilers! Wow. I didn't even yes. know that. Yeah, in the no, 90s. well, it can't be spoilers. It's like twenty years ago. Spoilers but for right. on the podcast. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, he did um, have a harpoon hand. Yeah, yeah. A lot of you know the costume changed up. Uh, it's just a grittier run. Jeff Johns is a great writer. So. Huckleberry Comics is a publisher working on creating the most innovative and unique graphic novels, one-shots, manga, tabletop games, and even eventually video games. Right now, we're working on getting ready to launch Dream State Radicals, a project which has taken 18 artists over two years to create. It's a gritty sci-fi thriller in the vein of Dusex, Blade Runner, Detroit, and so many more. It's an awesome graphic novel with tons of free concept art, and we'll be launching on Indiegogo early 2019. Follow us on Twitter, at HuckleberryDSR, like us on Facebook, or check out our website to learn more. So guys, after we discussed all of the different versions of Aquaman, uh, Jason, I was curious, uh, are there any storylines that specifically stand out to you? Yes. So uh, Aquaman has had a bunch of, you know, major storylines, minor storylines, uh, you know, events that have happened and changed the course of the character. Um, like you, I'm more uh, familiar with the New 52 stuff. So I did some research and one that stands out that I was aware of that that it took place in the late 70s, but it's still, even in some of the Rebirth stuff, Rebirth and New 52, it still plays a part. And that was the death mm. of a prince. Um, that is when Black Manta who is Aquaman's arch nemesis. He hates Aquaman's guts. He kills Aquaman and Mera's young son. Oh, wow. Okay. So he just ends the whole bloodline right there. Yeah. He just suffocates him. Uh, spoiler for a 40 year old story, but he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, he kills it. The, the, the kid um, was introduced in 65, but I think they, you know, kind of had him young. So he was probably four or five years old um, during the time of this story. But I had heard about that because that's something that um, even through different 
versions of Aquaman, they they still keep that story point that Black Manta killed Aquaman's young son. Are y'all familiar that that had happened to him? Yeah, I'd heard that before. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I figured it since you were talking about it earlier that before Crisis on Infinite Earths, they had to bring him back from death. But Chris, what about you? Yeah, I'd heard it. I, I know uh goes on to cause like a rift between him and Mera, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many years was this before Death in the Family? Is this the original? Yes, it was 1977, wow. I believe. So, and and Death Death in the Family was what 84, maybe Sounds about 82, right. something like that. Okay, so a good five years, almost a decade, five wow. to ten years. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. What other? Uh, major storylines have we had, Jason? Have there been any other ones? You said there were quite a few. Yeah, there's quite a few. So I've looked at some that were, that seemed pretty interesting. Uh, I talked about with that post uh, crisis, they did two sort of different takes on Aquaman. The first was a a series that only lasted about four issues. Uh, They gave Aquaman a blue camo suit. I don't know if y'all have ever seen this thing. He was trying to be camouflaged in the water? What was that about? He looks like like an ice skater. (laughs) He looks like an ice skater. He does. Uh, But reading into this and listening to some other stuff, uh, people really liked that costume, but for whatever reason, DC didn't go with it. But you have, you know, a short-lived... you know, time where Aquaman was in this different suit. Um, they, they also focused on more of the, you know, kind of mysticism of Atlantis, made it more of a, you know, mystical magic kind of wizardy type aura to it, uh, you know, as opposed to where he's the square jawed do-gooder type guy. So that was something, but it just didn't stick uh, for whatever reason. So then they moved on to another origin story that is a pretty wild one. And I didn't realize that's stuck up until the new 52. Time and Tide was the series that was this Aquaman origin. And in it, Aquaman was full blood Atlantean. He had an Atlantean oh. mother, Atlantean father, but with the okay. blonde hair, they thought it was a, a mark, a curse. And they basically did a Moses to him and sent him out <laughs> in the wild. Uh, and <laughs> kind of he was, banished him out into the wild yeah, waters he, of the deepest ocean. Yeah, he was he was kind of a uh, feral, but then was found by a lighthouse keeper that raised him, and then oh, so they brought the lighthouse keeper into it as a father right. figure, but not his natural father. Yeah, instead of the Tom Curry was his father's name, but in this version, his name was Arthur Curry, mm. and then he named. Aquaman, Arthur Curry after him. Uh I had no idea of this origin whatsoever. So you end up getting a more, you know, kind of edgier Aquaman, which uh, leads into what Chris had been talking about, the harpoon hand uh, Aquaman. (laughs) So, Oh, right. The harpoon hand. I want to know about harpoon hand. Chris, do you know anything about how Aquaman lost his hand? Uh, I want to say, I don't remember who forced him to, but put his hands in, I want to say piranhas. Wow. Now you would think piranhas wouldn't eat him. Isn't he one of their own? That's kind of like cannibalism, but I guess piranhas, maybe they're cannibals. They just eat anything. They're too rabid, I guess. Right. (laughs) Maybe they had mad fish disease. Like mad cow? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They changed his appendages some. I think he had like a water hand that could change shape at some point also. (laughs) Cool. 
Like, did he get that from the aliens from the movie Abyss or something? Oh, Is yeah. that where he got his water changing <laughs> good hand? Good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. He uh, made a phone call to Ed Harris and tried to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so th- that was your kind of edgy, almost a Conan-esque Aquaman for a little while there. Hmm. Okay. Well, but does that bring us up to the modern era? Did we have any other ones? Well, so the one that I really got into Aquaman uh, quite a bit and Chris, you may have uh, read this too. Uh, do you remember Brightest Day? Yes, uh, Blackest Night and uh, Brightest Correct. Day. Correct. So, George, were you familiar with uh, the Blackest Night and Brightest Day from DC? This was probably 2009 or 10, I think. No, so just for a little bit of a history lesson for those of you out there listening, I collected comics in the mid 80s, mm-hmm. but it was mostly uh, Teen Titans and a few Marvel stuff like X-Men and Fantastic Four. But then I didn't collect comics or even read comic books again until just a few years ago. And that's kind of what brought us into the drawn and panel comic sans stuff because I started to get back into comic books after I went to a couple of conventions and found out all about this independent comic book scene. But as far as collecting comics or reading comics in the 90s or early 2000s, it was nothing on my radar at that point. I was starting a new family and I was trading jobs, moving across the country and everything during those years. So I was not into comic books at all. So I have completely missed out on a lot of the new 52 rebirth kind of stuff from DC. So hearing you guys talk about the storylines that you read is really interesting to me. Just a brief synopsis of Blackest Night. It was a Green Lantern event that had the whole DCU in it. And a lot of dead characters kind of became zombies. It, um, you know, they were raised from the dead and were zombies. Aquaman had been dead for a little while. Uh, he... Uh, was a zombie. Was he a fish zombie? Tell me Aquaman was a fish zombie. <laughs> not quite. No, but, not. Oh, dang. But uh, yeah, they were all, I guess, called Black Lanterns. Uh, but then at the end, you know, mm-hmm. the good guys win. And uh, f- about seven, six or seven characters that have been dead for a while come back to life. And that's what Brightest Day follows their journey um, kind of as the bearer of the white light and Aquaman was kind of front and center because he was probably the biggest uh, character out of the seven that were uh, resurrected. And so it kind of follows him reuniting with Mara and uh, it was a good series. Uh, it also focused on Dead Man, one of my favorite characters and Hawk and Dove, a few more, but Aquaman was definitely the big one. It also introduced a new Aqua Lad that um, if you watch Young Justice, the animated series, they had an African American Aqua Lad that was kind of a sidekick. This is the comic version of that character, more or less. Chris, what were your memories of Brightest Day, Darkest Night? They're pretty scarce, I have to say. It's been a while since I read it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one to check out. Um, you can find you know the trade paperbacks. Um, you can find them in the dollar bins too. But uh, it was a good Aquaman. And to me, it, Jeff Johns was writing it, which led perfectly into his run of Aquaman in the New 52, which I know Chris and you and I both really enjoyed. 
the new 52 stuff. Yeah, I think that's, uh, for me, that's the run that really stands out in my head when I think of uh, Aquaman in comic book form. Right. I think I kind of have two when I really think about it. I think uh, Justice League, Aquaman, and then I also think of new 52. So mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. So the first arc of that, um, come to find out, I read it. It was involved the trench. That A lot of people consider that one of the best Aquaman stories. Do you remember the trench? I remember I have it in trade. Again, it's probably been since it came out that I read right. it. But I mean, that's again, that's one of those you look up, you know, who, uh, what book should I recommend to a new Aquaman reader? And that's definitely going to come yeah. up. Okay. So if I want to start finding out about Aquaman, Chris, you would say the trench getting that trade would probably be a good way to go. Oh yeah. And you would be uh, spoiled oh, definitely wow. for other Aquaman <laughs> stories. Captain America and the Falcon on night patrol. Hey Cap, what's with you partner? You're moping around like you just lost your last friend. This week on Laser Time, the internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. It, as of 1984. Oh, yes. Um, what do you think, uh, what do you think Phil Phillips, Prince Gary, not Prince Gary, Pastor Gary, <laughs> are going to have a problem with E.T.? Is there anything you can guess off the top of your head? Oh, man. Um, cross-dressing. Well, it's against violence. There is totally cross-dressing. <laughs> <laughs> against cross-dressing. He, he saved that scorn for uh, someone else. Okay. But, uh... E.T., the extraterrestrial. What, do you, what can we say about him? Well, E.T. smashed box office records in 1982 by doing $318 million. It was a camouflage occult movie, including uh, levitation, psychic oh, healing, God. mind control, uh, mental telepathy. E.T. also included some inferences to homosexuality. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. False. Let me see the part of your brain that's... And he doesn't go on to elaborate. Oh, I was going to say, like, well, you just pause it, so go on. There are... He doesn't. There is not a hint of any kind of sexuality in this entire film. Is it the mom's film. haircut? Uh, oh, wait, no. He does kiss someone <laughs> while drunk. Jesus Christ, the 80s were weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mom's haircut is a little gay. <laughs> I say this as having her haircut right now. <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LaserTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for another issue of Drawn and Paneled. Guys, we had a lot of fun today, but before we get out of here, I want to give our guest panelist, Chris, a chance to tell us all about where you can find Mad Cave Studios. Thank you, sir. Well, you can find us online at madcavestudios.com for uh, up-to-date information on all of our new series and conventions we're going to be at throughout the year. You could also follow us on all the big social media outlets, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Our handle is at madcavestudios. And there you get a little bit more in-depth insights as to what our creators are doing on a daily basis, what uh, what's going on at the offices and so on. That is awesome. Thank you again, Chris, so much for joining us today. We really appreciated having you here today on Drawn and Paneled. No, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about uh, the next big movie I'm going to go see and uh, Aquaman. Hopefully it lives up to the expectations of the books we were just discussing today. Absolutely. Jason, thank you as well for being here. Uh, My pleasure. And we will see you guys next time. See you guys later. Bye.
This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. I think that was good enough. I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.